0: so lord thank you for peter and thank you for the message that you've given him today and lord we ask that we would have ears to hear and a heart to respond to to what you're saying to us um lord as we consider this important subject of sabbath so we just pray your mighty anointing and blessing on peter in your name jesus amen
1: Thank you, Kath. Good morning, everybody. Just coming out of our worship earlier, when um, Jesus met the Samaritan woman at, at the well, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Then he went on. Everyone who drinks well water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I will give them will become in them a spring of water, a river of water, welling up to eternal life. And the key thing there was ask just ask ask me for this water but but the really interesting thing is that when the woman who doesn't know anything about anything but she's met Jesus and her heart just says yes I want this she says yes the the very next thing that Jesus does with her he doesn't say right hold out your hands shut your eyes and I'm, you know, I'm just going to call down on you an experience of open heaven. Although I'm sure she would have loved it, as I would. Um, what he actually does to take her on that journey of of living water is one small but very costly practical step, and it's go and get your man. And uh, there's a whole backstory behind that that we're not going to go into today. But it's interesting, isn't it? She she says, yes, I want that living water. But the next step to get it is something that's actually about her lifestyle and her relationships, not actually directly an experience of open heaven. So I wanted you to kind of hold that in your mind because that is very often the case with the way of Jesus, the next step for us in, in getting that river of life, or or maybe it flowing more freely in us, is often something quite small, quite practical, but also costly as it as it was for her. Now there is a rhythm in the Gospels, and I'm sure you've noticed it because we talk about it a lot. And uh, it's a rhythm of come and go. It's a bit like the tides or breathing in and out. So Jesus says, Come to me if you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit." And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So there's the kind of come, come bit. And then there's the go. Go and make disciples. Go and do likewise, time and time and time again in the Gospels. And this morning, we are on the come. We're on the come and on the rest. Rest is not the same as leisure or recreation or entertainment, all those things are part of it, but rest is something deeper than that. The need for rest is built into us biologically, if we don't sleep eventually we die, but rest is also built into the fabric of creation central to the creation narrative, and nearly all human societies that have ever been practice a seven-day week. In the uh, communist revolution in Russia, the Soviets tried a ten-day week, but it didn't work. Just about everybody practices a seven-day week. And that's the bit I want to focus on today, rest and the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath was central to what Jesus did. And uh, just over the last year or so, it's a topic that uh, I've been beginning to grapple with a little bit more deeply with Anne. A friend um, kind of spurred us on, pointed me to uh, some stuff by John Mark Comer. I don't know if any of you guys listen or read his stuff, but it's really, really great and especially on this topic and it prompted in me a little bit of the journey. Sabbath is the very first thing in the Bible that is referred to as holy. The heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God finished the work he'd been doing so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So the implication there is that we were created on day six, so our first experience of life was the rest in the garden. Not looking after it, not doing the work, but our first experience was rest. And that sets the stage for the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are, you know, I mean, they're amazing. Um, they came, they're the only bit of the Bible that kind of came straight from the finger of God, you know, written on the tablets by the finger of God. So not kind of through human authorship like, like the rest of the Bible, or most of it. It's kind of direct the finger of God and, and they're structured really, really carefully And the first three are all about putting God first in your life. No other gods before me, no idols, that kind of thing. And the last six are about how you treat other people. But commandment number four, which we heard read, is the Sabbath command. And it's the only practice. So it's not a moral thing, a thing to do or not do out of right and wrong. It's a practice. It's a way of living. And it's right in between how you relate to God and how you relate to other people. Desires and appetites and ambitions are good servants and good motivators, but terrible masters. They motivate us, but desire is never satisfied. However much you have, there's always room for more. However good yesterday was, today is always hungry. And we live, I think maybe more than any other age, in an age of restlessness, because desire has been monetized. We see hundreds, if not thousands, of ads every day and up till World War II, we we lived in a needs culture where the culture was about getting what you needed. Uh, Since then, we have lived in a desires culture, continually stimulated to spend what we don't have on what we don't need. And that creates a huge restlessness and unhappiness of spirit, leading to frustration, bitterness, anger, weariness, because, of course, if you practice those things, and we all do because we're all part of the culture, and you do the whole, you know, the getting and the having and all of that, it doesn't actually satisfy the soul. So, mental illnesses are on the rise. There are new ones like um, choosing sickness or option paralysis, hurry sickness, fear of missing out, they're all, they're all ways of describing a kind of toxic restlessness. And it's amazing how many adverts try to sell us rest, which is about, you know, it's something they can't deliver, but rest is the story behind why I buy the product. But Jesus offers us rest for our souls. And walking in his way is the way of setting our desires in order. Not pretending that we don't have desires, not treating our desires as if they were bad things, but setting them in order in their proper place so that they are servants but not masters. Somebody said that a big part of loving, maybe 80% of loving well, is to be emotionally healthy and spiritually awake. The Sabbath is the first spiritual discipline in the Bible. And of course it is about rest. But the church has had a little bit of a kind of love-hate relationship with Sabbath. First of all, it was the area of Jesus' most bitter disputes with the scribes and the Pharisees. It was a heart issue, but they got really upset with Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. And um, the Sabbath was created for us to stop, rest, take delight in what God has made, to focus on what we have rather than what we don't have to worship but they made it rule based they turned it into something that was about detailed religious observance and Jesus wasn't having any of it Jesus healed on the Sabbath he said the Sabbath was made for people not the other way around. and he said what's more the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath but he still practiced it And isn't it noteworthy, even after the cross, when everything was lost, or so they thought, Jesus' disciples and the women on that Easter Saturday, it says they rested in accordance with the command. And it wasn't until dawn on the day after the Sabbath that the women went to the tomb. The early church changed the day from Saturday to Sunday, the day of Jesus' resurrection. But down the centuries, understanding of the Sabbath has often regressed to be more like the scribes and the Pharisees than like Jesus. You know, those stories you hear from a couple of generations ago of the swings being locked on Sunday uh, so the kids can't play with them Um, anybody read little house on the prairie when they were kids must be some of you read that and you know the sabbath regime that the kids are put through is is so strict and you know if they step outside it they get severely punished and it it just feels much more like the scribes and the pharisees does not feel like the way of jesus and i think because of this It's rare to hear teaching in the church today about the Sabbath. Except in the context of kind of coming together and worshipping. It's rare to hear preaching on the Sabbath. But Jesus practiced the Sabbath and so have his followers down through the ages. So maybe you could kind of leave aside medieval or Victorian Sabbath for now, and leave aside the fact that we live in a culture that really doesn't like any kind of rules or any kind of practice that you could interpret as a rule. And just have another look at this. And um, I've always been quite disciplined about not working on my day off. I think when you you do a job which you you do a lot of from home like we do. Uh, it's really important that you put boundaries around it and uh, so I think right from our early days in ministry we've been really really disciplined about having our day off and we've kind of talked that to other people as well but day off isn't Sabbath, It, it meant not doing the work I'm paid to do but it didn't cover all the kind of work that You don't get paid to do, you know, renewing the insurance and doing the house up and DIY jobs and stuff in the garden and life admin and, you know, stuff like that. And I didn't see my day off as a time primarily to stop, to rest, to take delight in everything God has made and to worship. I did see it as a day to not work at my paid work, but, but that was As far as it went so I want you to think a bit totally no guilt conversation but I want you to think about what your own practice is with Sabbath Sabbath does not have to be a day for lots of people with standard jobs Sunday's a great day for Sabbath doesn't doesn't work that way for me and Anne Friday is our sabbath other people um, have different ones it's not the same day every week because of shift patterns some people uh, like the the jewish practice which is really great where you kind of at sunset you light two candles because of the two times the sabbath is mentioned in exodus and deuteronomy different versions of the ten commandments um, and then it lasts for kind of 24 hours so from dusk to dusk So there's lots of different ways of doing Sabbath. It's not kind of, you know, it's Sunday or else. You might be, well, I do Sunday morning church, but other than that, I don't really do Sabbath. You might have a day off. Or maybe for you, every week is different for one reason or another. But Sabbath was created by God as a day to stop, to rest, to take delight in him and what he's made and to worship. It's highly subversive because, you know, not doing anything is not a very high cultural value. Our culture thinks that Doing anything is better than doing nothing. It's an act of faith. Because if you don't do any work, then you're trusting that God will make you flourish even though you're not doing anything. You know, but what about your job? What about your promotion? What about the church? You know, If you don't work, you are expressing faith that God can look after you and make you flourish you can treat it as a day when you wake up to a world you did not make and a salvation you did not earn. When you reconnect with reality, which is that God made the universe and he is in charge. When you reconnect, that life comes as a gift. And yes, it's hard, And yes, there's pain, but there is also wonder and generosity and joy. We are supposed to enjoy creation. When we focus on what we have and not on what we don't have. And people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. There's lots of things that are great things to do on the Sabbath. Light a candle. Feast. Scripture, reading, poetry. Watch a really great film, read a great book. Singing, lovemaking if you're married. Walking, napping. Time alone It's, its a big plus for people. Having a really great time with the kids. It does require a bit of work. Uh, as I tried to start putting this into practice, I did not find it easy. Because it means I can't do that internet shop, because it's my Sabbath. It means I'm not gonna play computer games, which are kind of my one of my go-to ways of switching off, but I don't do that. I don't do a screen time, I, mean, I might watch a movie, But, you know, certainly not just churn through Netflix serials because it's a day to stop and dial down. It was, in fact, a lot more difficult than I thought and it didn't, like, kind of turn a switch in my life so that, you know, it was grey and now it's colour. But my spirit is significantly more at peace now than it was before I started doing this. So I think a question I want to ask you is are you more at peace in your spirit now than you were a year ago or six months ago? Just have a think about that because as we follow Jesus and walk in his way we should be becoming more conformed to his Likeness. Corrie Ten Boom, the uh, Dutch Christian, famous Dutch Christian who got put in a a concentration camp and you know stayed faithful and loving God through the experience, she said, "If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy." And um, one of the issues about doing a Sabbath is that if I am still, the stuff underneath tends to rise to the surface. And that is not always easy to deal with. And we live in a culture where the first response to discomfort or unease is to medicate it with entertainment or distraction or a substance or something else, because you don't want that, do you? Whereas the way of Jesus is to let these things come to the surface where you can't ignore them and you can't pretend that that bit of selfishness or whatever it is that God's highlighted isn't part of you. And you know then that starts a conversation with him. The aim of walking in the way of Jesus is that I grow to be the kind of person I would be If Jesus was me, someone who is characterised by love more than by anger, consumerism, lust for what I don't have. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. But the living water often comes through a small practical step. So I want to make you an invitation this morning which is to think about going on the kind of journey that I've been on with Sabbath and um I wouldn't hold myself up as any kind of shining example. But if you want to do that, what would the first step be? You know, because it's often that first step, isn't it? You, you don't go from here to over here. You, you take a step. And, and it's got to be one that's right for you. I'm at a life stage where it's not difficult to do a Sabbath. If I had very little children, the way I would do Sabbath would be very, very different. You know, Sabbath might mean that I, you know, with my partner, I get two hours out from childcare on the Sabbath and then I give them two hours out on the Sabbath. You know, it might be, that that might be as much as I can do. Or if you are struggling with long-term health issues or, you, you know, you've got, someone who's very dependent on you living in the house then obviously the sabbath is made for us not us for the sabbath and what your life stage is will have a really big impact on what you can or can't do and it it is not a question of you complying with rules that god has laid down so that he will be upset with you if you don't do them It's completely the other way round, that God has created for us a rhythm and given us a gift so that we can stop, slow down, take delight in what he has made and reconnect with what is real. Kath, would you like to come up and... Maybe do do some response time.
0: Thanks Peter. Great. We're going to have a time of worship. Um and during that let's be really actively and intentionally having a conversation with God about what it looks like for us to respond to these things that people has that peter has been saying to us um so yeah let's just pause a moment we've i think we've had some really good challenging questions as peter's been speaking let's just pause a moment to ask god okay lord what are you saying to me today what are you saying to me today about sabbath And then if that's what God is saying to you what are you going to do about it people mentioned Peter mentioned about taking one practical step so again have a conversation with God what would one simple step look like in the next few days the next few weeks as you take this seriously and respond to what God is saying to you today